TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Christoph, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam, and I'm alone today. My boys are not here today. Damien Christoph is somewhere in Sydney. He's traveling around. And uh, Brett Hill, who knows where he is right now? I know that the Damien was at the Thrive Conference um, not too long ago and had uh, did some interviews on his own. And Brett's going to be doing some interviews uh, in New Zealand. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to get in on the action and uh, interview some people on my own as well. This way, I'll get to ask the questions I want without them disrupting me. So this is The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicating helping you bringing wellness to your life. And uh, today, I'm really excited with this interview because uh, I actually was just introduced to uh, this beautiful lady and uh, who's actually from Perth, where I've been living in the last 12, 13 years. And so uh, we were just down the road in the next suburb, and we didn't even realize uh, that's where we're so close. But she's here on a, um, a great weekend uh, um I guess an event down in Bondi Beach, and uh, unfortunately, I was not able to head down to Bondi to to meet with her and do this live. But we're she's, she's sitting in the car, and uh, she's carved out half an hour of her time to uh, introduce herself. So I want to just introduce you to Amanda Bisk, and she's uh, let me tell you a little bit about her. She was uh, competing for Australia in the 2010 Commonwealth uh, Games uh, in India, and uh, her story is that she actually was had the ambition of going to the Olympics, as all athletes do. And unfortunately, there was a period of time. Uh, during the training session that uh, she discovered that she just couldn't do it anymore. And they were, we're going to get into specifically what happened. And uh, unfortunately, she had to stop her training. And that led her to a journey of uh, discovering about herself, her life, and uh, and her newfound passion for yoga and health and love and, and everything else from there. Welcome to the Wellness Guy Show, Amanda. Hi, Lawrence. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> well, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your busy day. I know you've been doing some filming and you've been doing a whole bunch of things. And uh, But I'd love to have you on the show because I just looked at your website. It's just an amazing story you have. So let's bring us back to, um, let's bring back before you're being an athlete. You were, obviously, you've been raised by, when did you start going or having dreams about being an Olympian? Um, I guess it all started when I was six years old. Uh, my dad actually threw me into gymnastics when I was three because I was, uh, very hyperactive child. So he was like, all right, I need to take you to gymnastics, get some energy out. So I'd been a gymnast for three years. Um, I was identified in the elite gymnastics squad in Western Australia. And, you know, um, people were talking about all this training and, you know, you have the potential to go to the Olympics. And I kind of, you know, looked up what the Olympics was and I was like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. Yes, I want to be there. And, you know, gymnastics was my life. And I always dreamt that I was going to be a gymnast at the Olympics. And yeah, from six years old, that's what I had envisioned in my mind. <laughs> wow, that's, that's an amazing story. Because my daughter is six years old right now. And <laughs> you know, just to think that at that age, she's, you know, you've already thought about being an Olympian. So, you know, let's do a bit of fast forward, you, you competed uh, for Australia. Uh, congratulations on that in the 2010 Commonwealth Thank Games you. in India. <laughs> How was that experience for you? It was the most remarkable experience. It's probably one of the best memories I've ever had in my life just to even before I competed just receiving my Australian uniform and just throwing on my shirt and it reading Australia on my chest I was just so incredibly proud and I felt like oh my goodness like my dreams are actually coming true 
I'm going to compete at the Commonwealth Games and then hopefully I'm going to train really hard and I'm going to make it to the Olympics. It was, yeah, it's such a buzz and I wouldn't trade it for the world. <laughs> you know, rep- the, the opportunity to rep- represent your country um, and, you know, all the millions of people behind you too must be a great feeling. But there's also, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of pressure that goes behind it. Um, but And I don't know if that was part of the problem, but you, in 2011, your life completely changed. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, as you said, as an athlete, you do have a lot of pressure and that pressure is not only from the people around you, but from most of the time it's from yourself. And, um, you know, at that time after the Commonwealth Games, we came home and had about two weeks break and I was like, okay, got to get back into training. I really want to make London, like let's do this. And I started training again and slowly began to notice that when I was coming home after training, I was just so tired. And then the next day I'd wake up and I'd just feel like that I I hadn't recovered at all and that I, I wasn't ready for training yet. And I was always the athlete who was like, when's training? When's training? When's training? I really want to go. I'm so excited. Like, when's the next session? I want to do more training. And then to start to get the feeling where I was like, oh, I don't want to go. I started realizing that there was something wrong with me. And that's when I noticed all these symptoms coming on board. You know, I was waking up feverish. I always always felt like I had the flu. I started to become very puffy and, you know, retained fluid. Um, And I just was feeling very unwell. I started sleeping more. It was just really lethargic. I was sleeping 10 hours a day. And then when I woke up, I was more tired than I went to bed. And I just really, I had no idea what was, was going on. And, um, you know, bit by bit, I started losing my bubbly personality. Like I've always been an energetic and happy person and, you know, to kind of wake up in the morning and just be like, Oh, I can't be bothered or, Oh, I'm so tired or, Oh, I don't want to do this. Like, I just felt like I had lost a piece of me and, um, it was one of the hardest times of my life. Yeah. Just let me ask you, how, how old were you around that time? Um, so it was just after the Commonwealth Games, so it would have been 25. <laughs> you were 25 years old. So obviously that's a lot of pressure too. I mean, being a young athlete um, as well, leading to that change. And, you know, you discovering, you know, going through discovery, you had to change course. You had to make a decision to kind of go after uh, a dream that you've had since you were six years old or um, decide to change direction. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. It was... Um it was, you know, six months later after we'd like come back from Delhi and, um, I was just like, nothing is getting better. I've been cutting down training. People have been helping me, you know, with kind of stress management and seeing psychologists and all these doctors and tests and specialists and checking my kidneys and liver. And, you know, everything was coming back. All my blood results were fine. There was, you know, nothing missing, no vitamins or minerals that I was low in and nobody could give me an answer. And it was, I was really lost and I felt like everybody else was lost and nobody could tell me what I had to do. And it got to the point where I was like, I don't want to hate exercise for the rest of my life. I don't want to be unwell for the rest of my life. So the tipping point was the doctor prescribed me antidepressants and I took that packet home and I stood there and I was like, I can't do this. Like This is just going to be a slippery slope of medications and side effects. So I threw the packet in the bin and I was like, I am going to take charge now and I'm going to make myself better. And that's when I decided to retire from pole vault, I knew that I needed a break and that I was really going to focus on my health. Right. So I just want to go clarify. So when you, um, you actually threw that away before you decided to retire? 
Is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. So it was they they used it as a measure to try and help with symptoms. Yes, um, yes. And I was like, no, I can't do this. So then after that, I made the decision that I had to sit down with my coach, who actually also got forced out of um, competitive pole vault as well due to injury. I sat down with him, and I I remember the time, the date, the place, everything so vividly. And speaking to him, it. It was very comforting, but at the same time, it was like I felt like it was an end to this big thing in my life. Mm. I mean, every athlete um, probably dreams about being on top and, and staying at the top, but the other side of it is that they also have to recognize or maybe not acknowledge it, but there's also the recognition that at some point um, there has to be a point of uh, another game. I guess, you know, I, I was came back from Toronto and New York and we talked about, you know, understanding in life there's like a game one and there's a game two. Um, and obviously for you, as I'm getting up to game one was, um, you know, heading up to that point, I'm saying, you know what, I'm retired as a pole vaulter and there's another yeah. part of my life, which is obviously you're starting on that journey in game two and hope, you know, maybe there'll be a game three in, in the future. Um, let me go back to your symptoms and, and did that suddenly just come on or did it been, had you been gradually sort of getting worse that you just haven't, didn't recognize, you know, like in hindsight, looking back now, or were you ignoring it or did it just really kind of come on suddenly? Um, I felt like it was gradual. Mm -hmm. um, just I just started noticing really weird things with my body. Like I've been a relatively healthy person. Like I, I, I was never that, like sick or fluish a lot at all. And then to notice that, you know, I was feeling sick the majority of the time and that I just wasn't recovering no matter how much I didn't train or no matter how much I slept or or anything, not, nothing was fixing it. And that was kind of the tipping point where I was like, something's really wrong. Hmm. The pinnacle moment for you, obviously, is to be able to do well, two things are probably around the same time as you decide to take those antidepressants and throw it in the garbage. I mean, that was a significant event for you to kind of signify yeah. I'm taking control and taking full responsibility of my life. And then you basically went on to, you know, decide to make the decision to retire. And then you moved on. Where did you go and what did you what did you discover about yourself in life? Um, I guess I did discover how much I was trying to please other people. Mm. And, you know, as an athlete, as a daughter, as a friend, like you do things for other people, like you want them to be happy and to be proud of you. And I realized how much I was pushing myself, you know, just to please someone else. And I guess the journey that I've been on now, I've realized how much I have to please myself and not, you know, as vain as that sounds, it's always so important to look after yourself, your body, your wellness, your health, because if you're not well, how are you going to look after other people? How are you going to make other people happy and healthy? You know, a lot, a lot of our listeners are, you know, mothers uh, with kids and, um, and, and we hear that often, you know, oftentimes we hear is that they take care of everybody else in the family but themselves. And like you just said, without being able to take care of yourself, how can you give it your best to be able to help the people that you care and love the most? And so, so that's really a great realization. This show is starting to sound like my other show, The Inside Champions Mind, <laughs> but I know that we said that this is going to be a, a The Wellness Guy show. We're going to keep it away. We'll, we'll definitely dive into some of the eating and, and moving stuff yeah. just to kind of please Damien and Brett. But um, I'd love to kind of just move on from your discovery. You obviously learned a lot about yourself. What are some of the philosophies? I know you develop, a, 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 you know, the three major philosophies that you kind of come about. What? Tell me sort of the path that you got into and what have you just, you know, how, how has your life evolved now um, moving, you know, five years onwards now? I guess now I'm really conscious about tuning into my body and my mind and into actually how I'm feeling. 
you you think as an athlete, you know how you feel, how your body feels, what you need to do, but it's actually so amazing how out of tune you become. You just almost become, you know, a bit of a robot. I need to do this. I need to do this many reps. I need to finish in this time, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, I've noticed now that you can't stick to this perfect timeline, this perfect routine all the time. Life just doesn't work like that. Like things come in the way, you know, things happen that you don't expect and you just need to be ready to be able to mold and to change and just to turn things in another direction, not necessarily the wrong direction, but just a different one. <laughs> so that's what I've, I've definitely learned in my journey so far after being an elite athlete. Mm. So there's the question for you, um, knowing that you've been an elite athlete and also now living the life that you're living now, you talk about, you know, listening to your body and listening to yourself. When is it though that, um, when do you know that it's just the right time to quit or to stop doing that because it's the right thing to do or versus the resistance in your head, in your mind, the lizard brain that tells you like, oh, don't do it. Don't get up in the morning. Don't go work out. Like, how do you know the difference between, um, you know, when to pull out, you know, because of it, there's going to be risk of injury here versus that you're just being, being lazy. I'm just talking about the general person here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you really need to sit down just in the quiet and just be with yourself and actually be with your thoughts and your thoughts and feelings actually tell you a lot if you can sit down and listen. And I mean, for something that's really serious, like if it's a constant thing that's coming up in your mind, no, I shouldn't do this. No, I shouldn't do it. Like, and it, it's guiding you in that similar di direction all the time. And then there's all these reasons for you to choose a certain way. I feel like you really need to listen to that. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, if you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, 6am, I'm not going for a run. No, nah, no. Nah. Yeah. Like, I think that's a different feeling. That's just a, oh, I like this toasty bed. <laughs> I feel like you should get out of bed, sit down and be like, should I go for this run? Yeah. And then most of the time you'll be like, well, I'm out of bed already. Yeah, I should. <laughs> yeah. I, I had this uh, thought go through my mind last night. I, I've been getting up at 530 in the morning, doing going to the to the gym. And, uh, and this morning, last night, I was just like, I really don't want to go. I'm like, no, I'm setting the alarm clock. And I woke up this morning, like, I really shouldn't go. But I made, it's almost like I had to force myself, my body to be in automated mode and just ignore yeah. that resistance in my brain. I drove to the, to, to the CrossFit gym and I just got in there. And then, and you know what, once I got there, that was the time where I go, you know, you have no excuses now. You can't just like, show up and then leave so it's like oh, exactly. you can definitely tell I, I and so it's good to, to kind of hear from the other people's perspective and how they kind of overcome that because i think that for a lot of people um is actually just you know knowing the difference is really important because to 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 not listen to your body is obviously a silly thing but also to to listen to your resistance um i think or what i call the resistance is is leading to a path of unhealthy choices and, and living so i think it's important to kind of know the difference and then so you can move forward um yeah. let's talk a little bit about you know, food um, and eating habits and, and what you discovered about yourself. You know, I'm, I'm always interested. We actually recently had um, an AFL player, Zach, um, who, Zach O'Brien, who actually plays for the Brisbane Lions. Um, and uh, he's a chiropractor as well, but also uh, just became, a, you know, also around the sort of uh, mid-20s. And he really discovered playing the AFL level, there's a lot of misconception about nutrition and especially in the athletic arena, even till this day, you know, with all the things that we know about nutrition, there's still sort of um, in the old model of eating and so he really has to kind of fight against that did you find the major difference between you eating as an athlete when you were competing versus how you eat now yes definitely um i feel like that can that kind of picture of food is everywhere in society it's very complex it's very complicated and 
there's so many lost messages out there where people, you know, are swung in one direction and then swung in the other direction. It's very confusing. Um, I feel like the athlete perception of nutrition is always, oh, I need to, you know, if you're a male, you want to bulk up, you need to eat protein, all this stuff. If you're a female, you're always eating to lose weight, to make weight, you know, like it's always this body image kind of perception. Mm. But I feel like my way of eating has changed so much more now. I've focused on building a very positive and friendly and happy um, attitude towards food. And I think that's important for everyone. I feel like a lot of people are afraid of food. They, they, they're always talking about what they can't eat. Oh, I can't eat, I can't eat that. I'll, I'll gain five kilos straight away. Like I can't eat that. I can't eat that. But I think the focus should be more towards, and this is what I focus on now. It's more towards what can I get out of this meal? What would this meal give my body? And when I changed this perception in my mind, it totally changed everything about the way I eat. And now look, I'm not an angel. I don't eat, you know, lettuce all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love ice cream. I love chocolate. I love, you know, all the normal stuff that everybody loves too, but it's just about, you know, I, 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, eat those amazing fruits and vegetables and nuts and legumes and, you know, good protein sources and grains and all of that. Like I don't follow a specific diet. And then, you know, every once in a while, it's totally okay to have, you know, a bit of chocolate or ice cream or some chips. It's just, you know, being really responsible about it and just finding that love and that passion and just really enjoying food because that's what it's about. I don't want people to be afraid of food. That's, you know, that's not life. I'm loving this, by the way, because um, <laughs> you, you've been able to turn around, um, f- you know, an eating topic and food topic to the psychology of food. And uh, basically, it's all about mindset. I told the boys that it's all about mindset, but they never <laughs> believe me. So that's great. I, and I, I really resonate with that. Um, you know, for me, it's the same thing. You know, people think that have this perception that, uh, you know, we all eat like, sp- you know, really specific, clean everything. But it's, it's you know, it's, it's you know, it, it is the 80, 20, 90, 10 rule. It's about, you know, just being enjoyment, having the enjoyment of food, but also being smart about it. And I think what you said there is about the the thought process of the food. Like it's not just necessarily about what foods you have to eat. It's about thinking about the food and what actually means to you and what what does it mean to you if you actually put it in your body. And I think that's a really great concept to kind of think about um, from a, a different angle on food anyways and how you eat. Yeah. 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 So um, let's talk about in regards to your diet now. If you had to go back to you know, just, you know, if you had to, knowing what you know now and you had to rewind back into, say, your late teens, um, you know, when you were sort of getting into the, the, you know, getting really seriously into your sport, would you change the way you eat now, knowing what you know? Um, I would definitely not change the way I eat now. Um, no, but change the way you ate before. Sorry, man. Oh, the change the way I ate before. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, when I was an athlete, you're training twice a day, sometimes six hours a day. When it got to the end of the day, when I'd finished training at 7.30 p.m., it was so easy to swing by KFC and just pick up a burger and be like, oh, you know, I burnt that off anyway, so it's all right. Or, you know, to have a muffin and a coffee for breakfast. Like, I thought, yeah, that's totally fine. Like, But now, if I had the knowledge that I do now and I could take it back with me as an athlete, it it would be totally different. I would see how much, you know, the fuel that I'm putting in my body would change my performance. It would change the way my body recovers. 
after exercise, like you're demanding so much from your body every single day, it needs all these wonderful nutrients to recover. So I would have been a totally different athlete, definitely. <laughs> now, the last question on this particular, on the food topic here, I'd love to know your thoughts on, do you think that athletes should eat differently than say the regular Joe that's, uh, that's out there in the world? Um, I actually think, you know, everybody is very, very different mm -hmm. and we all have different needs. And I think this is a problem when it comes to diets and things like that. So, you know, going gluten-free or having no dairy, all of this, like no carbs, all of that kind of stuff. We're so very individual and I feel like you need to find what works best for you. Um, and that could be maybe you do need to be gluten-free or maybe you do, you know, have to have less carbs, more protein. But I feel like athletes are just people mm. as well. And, you know, all they need is just a bit more energy because they're burning more energy. Mm. So I feel like, you know, why can't, you know, the average person eat like an athlete as well. <laughs> yeah, great answer. And that's, and, and that's the same thing is to be able to understand that, um, you know, we are all people and uh, we just, exactly. you know, and so yeah. eating clean and eating healthy um, should apply to, to, to all human beings, not just because you're an athlete or you're not yeah. an athlete. And like people go through stress, they go through, you know, you burn a lot of energy through a normal working day and you need to replenish that and you need to recover as well, not just physically, but mentally. So doing that with food, is one of the best things that you can do. Cool. Um, let's let's get into um, some exercise and movement. Um, I know that yeah, you're really loving your yoga at the moment, and and uh, I don't know if you're teaching yoga or not. But uh, tell us about you know what as an what do you do now now that you're not uh, you, well you're not competing so much anymore. Has your training changed? Have your views on exercise changed compared to what you were doing back when you were competing in the Commonwealth Games? Yeah, my training is completely different. There's still aspects that are very much the same, but the way I look at training now is very different. So I would always push through a session. I needed to make it to the end. I needed to always be puffing and sweating and totally dead just on the floor after a session and absolutely, you know, have smashed myself. But now I, I look at training as like an enjoyable way to just, you know, start moving my body, really feel the movement, get strong, get fit. Um, it's not about making it through a session. It's more about just enjoying that session for what it is right now. Mm, excellent. I think that's where my mindset has changed a lot. What would you recommend for people to do? Like, uh, I know that obviously you train on a regular basis. Do you train every day? Do you train three times a week? What's, what, what do you do? Um, I actually do. I do work out every day. I do have a rest day on a Sunday. And the only thing I'd probably do on a Sunday is just, you know, a bit of stretching and yoga. But on the other days, I always keep active. So, you know, a workout doesn't necessarily have to be an hour flogging yourself. A workout could be half hour, you know, just a jog down to the park, a few little exercises and a jog home. Like just as long as I'm moving my body every day, I feel like that works the best for me. And I feel amazing. And I mean, for other people, it might be oh, every second day. Um, but I think the main thing with us is that if you can set a good example, um, I think to your children, to your friends, to the people around you, if we can get everybody moving, I think we're going to be such a healthier community. So important. <laughs> so it's great. I mean, one of the challenging things um, that I, I look for and I love talking to athletes about uh, is about their motivation. You know, I've never been an athlete myself, and but I always admire the amount of dedication and the, and also the times when they're, when they're, 
the need for motivation in themselves to kind of push forward to do the thing that's required them to do to continue on with training or continue on with their sport to push themselves to the next level. Um, you know, what advice would you give or what are some of the things that you have in challenges you've gone through that you would have learned from to help you sort of keep the dedication alive and also keep yourself motivated? I think the number one thing that I use and that I've learned is why I'm doing something. So I always find my why and my why can change at any time and so can anyone else's. So your why could be, I really want to get fit because I want to run 10 kilometers nonstop, or I want to get fit because I want to improve my health, or I want to get fit because I want to set a good example for my kids and for my friends. Like your why can be anything, but as soon as you know that why, then the motivation will come. You know why you want to get up and, you know, go for a run or why you want to eat, you know, vegetables and fruit. And if you can find that why, I think it changes everything and it just makes makes it a lot easier and a lot clearer as to what you need to do. Let's go back to your six-year-old self when you were had the desire to go into the Olympics. And, um, you know, that was obviously one of the drivers for you through the next, you know, f- you know 20 years of your life, really, um, to hit that mark. So tell me a bit about that why was it externally motivated in terms of was it pushed upon you um, or did, was it internally motivated? That's a decision that you made and that's what you went after. I think it was very much internally motivated. Um, I went into gymnastics and apparently I hated my first class. And right. I just want to go back. But my dad was like, look, just really give it a go. We'll go a few more times and see how you like it. And I fell in love with the sport. I absolutely loved it. I would come home and I would still do gymnastics on the clothesline, all over the backyard. I'd be doing it all day long. You couldn't stop me from moving around. And I think what really drove me when I saw, you know, the girls at the Olympic Games, I was like, oh, my goodness, they like – they do gymnastics for a living. They do it like all the time. Mm. I want to do that. And I think that's what drove me. I wanted to always be doing gymnastics and to be doing these amazing skills and throwing my body around. And yeah, I think that was my drive. So obviously, you know, to get to that uh, elite level, you would have to have a lot of support. You know, who were the support uh, in your in your life uh, through friends and family? What, who were the supporting cast, I guess, support cast in your life and uh, who you still kept up with and to keep you motivated and, and drive to keep you going to game two, shall we say? Um, my parents are my biggest motivators. They're my biggest influences and I'm in awe at just what amazing people they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very opposite. <laughs> my dad is this very strong-willed person who does everything 100% and really you know, tries his best to get the best out of a situation. Mm -hmm. And my mom is just this gentle, amazing creature who sees the positive in everything. Um, I've never seen her angry. I don't even remember her yelling at me ever. (laughs) It's it's like, it's they're total polar opposites, but still both amazing people. So they're such a huge influence in my life and they still are now. And with any direction that I've chosen to go in, They've always been there for me, encouraging me and just really believing in me. Um, I guess the person who really did help me a lot in my lowest point when I was diagnosed is my now boyfriend, Adam. So I met him a year after I was diagnosed and he, he was just that person who kind of sat back and went, oh my goodness, like you've done so many amazing things in your life. Like you've you've been a personal trainer, you've been to the Commonwealth Games, you've been an elite athlete, you've done gymnastics. Like, And he was one of the first people who kind of 
made me realize that I have actually done a lot in my life. And I mean, as an athlete, you always sit and, you know, you want to be better and better. I can do this better. No, I need to do more. And you don't take the time to sit back and actually look back at what you've accomplished. So he mm. was a person who really helped me realize that. And still today, he's so encouraging, so supportive. And he does make me stop and just think for a moment and be like, look at what you've done. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's pretty incredible. <laughs> That's great. I mean, uh, we had Dr. Demartini on our show um, oh, a few months back. And he basically goes on this theory about, you know, talking about your parents, the polar opposites. And in life, there is the polar opposites. And you got the best of both worlds. You know, someone who you have the determination and dr- drive from your father, but it's also the balance of love and and uh, and also calmness from, from your mom. So it's great yeah. to have that. You know, and I think that's uh, it, it's needed for any one of us to succeed to actually have that balance, and and also for your boyfriend, um, you know, for him to sort of to say about gratitude and being be thankful because it puts you back in perspective, right? As an athlete going through the time of you know, going, I'm just about to quit my sport, I'm retiring, and thinking that's the end of the world. But if you put yeah. it back in perspective, you achieved more than most people in their lifetime um, at that point. So okay. it's to kind of put that back in balance and uh, and creating that realization and seeing the other side of things, and uh, that's really great way to, to be able to think um last just the last few quick questions then you know who are your mentors now moving forward who are your idols and who do you look up to who do you get mentorship from now um i actually one of my biggest mentors and someone i look up to is kate kendall so actually the beautiful girl that i'll be doing the black moors yoga event with this weekend um she was my mentor during my yoga teacher training i did that last year and just her energy, her soul, just the way she goes about life is just so inspiring. So she's, um, she's such a great role model. <laughs> Excellent. And some, uh, you know, last question, if we, if you had to go back to your, you know, say 17 year old self, or maybe there'll be some 17 year olds listening right now, um, or maybe it's my six year old daughter who's going to listen, what's the best advice you would give to that person, um, moving forward in their life? I would say that, don't worry about what other people tell you, what they expect from you, what they want from you. You need to figure out what is best for you and for your health and your well-being and make sure that everything you do is with love and passion for yourself first. And then you can pass that love and passion on to others. I love that. The uh, impact effect of being the best person you can be and uh, making a massive impact into the world. So that's awesome. Thank you so much, Amanda. That's been a wonderful interview. Oh, my God, it's 30 minutes just goes by really quickly. So quick. um, that was just brilliant, some brilliant answers. And I, and I hope that's our listeners got, I know that they got a lot of value out of that. I'm sure they're going to have to re-listen to this as well. But um, what do you, what are you doing? What, what are you doing right now? How, how can people find out more about you and what you do? Who do you serve? And, um, you know, just so that people can get to, to find you. Um, I guess uh, a lot of my real-time action happens on my Instagram. Um, so just Amanda Visk on Instagram. And then I share a lot of, of, of what I'm into, my health, my fitness, what I get up to, my workouts, my yoga. I share that on my, my website, www.amandabisk.com. Mm-hmm. And also, if anyone is around um, Bondi on the weekend, so this Saturday at 8 a.m., 
on the beach. Um, I'll be doing the Blackmore's yoga event with Kate Kendall. Um, big mass yoga session of 300 people. It's going to be huge. But um, if you don't make it to that, we'll be floating around all morning. So if you want to come by and say hello and grab a green juice and, um, you know, collect all this awesome wellness information, definitely swing by Bondi Beach. <laughs> awesome. Just to let people know, it's on March 28th, 29th of uh, 2015, just in case you're listening to this later, just to want to make sure that... 28th, um, Saturday. <laughs> Saturday, okay, 28th, yeah, sorry, just 28th, March 28th, uh, 2015. Um, yeah. <laughs> so definitely go check out Amanda's uh, website. There's some great photos and some inspiring photos uh, for you to kind of work, you know, move yourself up to in terms of the yoga poses. Um, and uh, love to make sure that so we'll definitely put the website, our link on our on our website. Just make sure you go to thewellnesscouch.com, check out this particular episode and then uh, go there and uh, we'll definitely have a link there to her website. You can get in contact. There's a, some great stuff there too as well. And there's also a store you can actually purchase some videos and uh, you can actually uh, be able to do some stuff at home. So Amanda, again, thank you so much for your insights, your knowledge and uh, you know, thanks for sharing your story as well. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Great. Guys, make sure you go up to uh, facebook.com slash The Wellness Guys and also The Wellness Couch. Like us there. Leave a comment below this particular episode and let us know what you think. And uh, make sure you share this podcast with your friends and families out of the strangers you think need a wellness update because uh, that's the only way we're going to be able to change the world and make a dent in the universe. So subscribe to us on iTunes while you're there. Leave a five-star rating and leave a comment there too as well. Until next week, begin creating wellness to your lives. Lead by example and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guys Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.